0: Welcome to the Yalla NFT podcast. I am Adam Amin and I join tech entrepreneur, who is also my mom, Rana el In this podcast, my mom and I will tag team interviewing experts in the emerging world of NFTs, crypto and Web3. Our goal with this podcast is to amplify the diverse voices in the NFT space and make sure it is inclusive and accessible to everyone. Let's get right into the interview. Welcome to today's episode. We are so excited to have Megan Loist with us. She's an early stage investor at Lurer Hippo. She's the founder of Gen Z VCs, and she's a Forbes 30 under 30. We first discovered Megan when we read her thoughtful piece, Metaverse 101, which was shared more than a thousand times on social media. So welcome, Megan. Let's rewind a little bit. What is Gen Z VCs and what made you start it?
1: Sure. Thank you both for having me. So Gen Z VCs, it's the largest and fastest growing community for young people in tech in BC. Um, When you think of Gen Z, that's generally people that are 25 or younger. 1997 is generally the cutoff. Um, I'm technically old, I'm technically an older Gen Z, or what they quote in the press sometimes is like an elder Gen Z. So I'm 24, born 1997. I'm technically the oldest cohort of Gen Z. But what that means is that there is a real moment in time happening for our generation where like, we are graduating from college, we're starting in the workforce, we're experiencing all of this during COVID. And we have very unique sort of problem sets that I think led to the community becoming what it is. Uh, So I started it in November of 2020. Uh, I was two months into my job at Lear Hippo, the youngest on my team by a factor of a decade. And uh, I was also living with my parents at the time because of COVID. Like I moved back from New York City with my family. Uh, And when you're you're a young person at a venture fund, so much of your job is supposed to be you know, being the like boots on the ground, going and meeting companies, going to events. And I wasn't doing any of that. They also just didn't have many friends in venture. Like I didn't have people that I could turn yeah. to like, like what themes are you looking into? Like what's interesting? And so um, the community actually spun out of an article that I wrote, it was Gen ZBC's way in top trends, favorite companies where I interviewed 71 of my peers all over the world. That's when wow. I joined the term Gen ZBC. Uh, and yeah, then I started the community and, um, it went from 30 people to 1,000 in four days and now almost 14,000 a year later. Amazing. Yeah.
0: So what do you actually do in Gen Z uh, VC? Like, what's the experience of it?
1: Sure. So, I mean, I think the Slack community is certainly the, the core of everything. Um, so it's where people meet one another. And I think any startup community, so much of like the experience and like your affiliation with the brand is having that magic moment. And I think in Gen Z VCs, what that is, is oftentimes connection and friendship first, Mm -hmm. um, because, because it's not, it was initially just for VCs, like Gen Z VCs, but as the community grew founders joined students, joined operators and builders joined. Um, and so you just find so much value from different people in the community. And you also give a lot too. So like I was on the phone with a founder the other day, he was like, Oh, like I actually met a customer through Gen Z VCs last week. Like, thank you so much. He's like, I didn't even realize that you were involved. I'm like, yeah, and that's kind of the beauty of it, right? It's like it is, it sustains itself. And then what I do, or a lot of what I do rather, is launch kind of new initiatives that support this overarching, overarching mission of what I've defined for like what is Gen Z VCs? Because it's grown from just a community to being a much larger movement surrounding or really about empowering Gen Z voices. So even today we launched an initiative. Um, really, it's, it's a it's a marketplace of sort of founder discounts for founders in the community. Oh, nice. um, wow. Most most Gen Z founders are first time founders. Um, they don't they don't have all the resources or connections necessarily to start on day one. But that shouldn't mean that they have limited access to what you know other folks do or just like knowing what that is. Um, so we launched uh, a marketplace with a company called Build First. Business Insider covered our press launch today. Um, which was great and I can send it to you. Um, Yeah. Thank you, but yes, like the the different things that I do, especially when I think about like building Gen ZBC's brand and growing the community, it's really about launching initiatives and programming that is tailored to people in the community, but also
2: um, kind of like expands in magnitude on the mission side. Mm -hmm. So I guess, how do you think of yourself? Like you wear many hats, are you an investor? Are you a community builder? Are you an influencer? And and perhaps tell us a little bit about like, what does your day-to-day look like?
1: Sure. Um, so I am everything. I think it's very, very difficult to put me in a box, mm-hmm. but I love that. Um, I just, I like being able to do a lot of different types of things and also see different parts of myself grow and blossom through different challenges. I never, before I started Gen ZBCs, I never considered myself a community builder, do I love organizing expert dinner parties and like bringing my friends together? Yes. Uh-huh. Did I think that would ever help me grow such right. a large community and movement? No, but like the reason Gen ZBCs grew the way that it did so early is because it was all these like little thoughts and details that I did to build friendships and connections with like the earliest cohort of people, which spread like wildfire, like who knew? Uh, and then, you know, on the influencer side, a little over a year ago, I had 50 followers on Twitter. Now I have uh, nearly 30,000. So, um, but like, if I've learned anything, it's like, I I, leaning into leaning into your authentic self, whatever that means is really key. So like, if the influencer stuff didn't come naturally, or like, I wasn't excited by it, I wouldn't spend time doing it. But I genuinely love it. Mm -hmm. And I know that like, the larger my platform becomes, the larger an impact that I can have on sort of what I'm doing, the people I'm working with, the founders I'm working with, um, it all kind of fuels one another. So like influencer, community leader, investor, woman inventor like however right. you kind of define me, they all coincide and support one another. So it's like, I don't really have five separate identities They're And it's one Megan, but wow. um, they all kind of work together towards a common goal. Mm-hmm. Love
0: it. Do you think like Gen Z VCs is going to enter the metaverse in any way?
1: So I can't say too much here yet, but there is something in the works. Um, I think the key, the key right is like, and this is, I think a lot of people are not even falling into like this trap, but like, when you think about web three, there's so much buzz, there's so much noise. Um, I think when I think about like Gen Z VCs in the community, it's doing whatever feels really authentic to like our member base. Um, And cost is a big issue, right? Like when you think about like the metaverse platforms where people are spending time, especially the crypto-based ones like Sandbox, Decentraland, like Gen ZBCs doesn't have a plot of land in the metaverse. Like that is probably not going to be our play because we don't have a budget for that. But um, I'm being really, really creative about sort of like how I'm thinking about partnerships in that space. Um, But we're likely to see some type of event actually in the next few months, but I can't say too
0: much yet.
2: exciting.
0: Yeah, My mom and I actually read your Metaverse 101 article. It was like really cool. Um, can you explain how you've categorized the Metaverse in general?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I think what's interesting about the Metaverse is I think a lot of people almost miscategorize it as thinking it's just VR, specifically yeah. because like Facebook's rebranding to Meta. Yeah. Like when I've talked about the Metaverse with my parents and now they call it the Megaverse. And <laughs> Megaverse. About- I love that which is very funny because again, I, I wrote this article probably in the course of like five days. I was like researching in my room, writing for days at a time. And I did not leave my, like I did not leave my room. And my parents were like, oh, she's in the megaverse. She's doing whatever. <laughs> uh, so it's very funny. Um, but, you know, when I talk about it with my parents, they just assume that it's like VR, like they don't, mm-hmm. they don't really understand it yet. Um, but I, I get that because most people, when they think about these types of concepts, it's tied to some type of cultural moment. And so for most of the world, like one of the largest social platforms rebranding, right, 10 plus years in to to a new, like a new company name is like people take notice. Um, But in reality, I mean, like the metaverse is encompassing of not only VR, but AR uh, platforms like Pokemon Go, but also virtual worlds, which is like, traditional games that have been around for a number of years, right? Like Webkins and Club Penguin, I mentioned in my article, were like kind of the, the first metaverses that I experienced as a kid. I didn't think of them as the metaverse per se, but they have all the same characteristics um, all the way to like virtual, like play to earn games that we're seeing with like Zed Run and Axie Infinity, mm-hmm. and also the more traditional sort of like crypto-based metaverses, Decentraland, Sandbox, and then just again, like gaming gaming like universes like
2: Roblox and Fortnite. Um, so it's very, very all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. So That's so true. my daughter Jenna is a few years younger than you are, and she definitely spent a lot of time and a lot of money on Club Penguin. I guess what is different now? Like why are we all like super excited about this now? And and yeah, you what know, has it changed? Yeah, what has changed exactly?
1: I, I think well, I think the the platforms that are being built today are it's much easier to monetize in a sense so like right like if you if you were paying whatever it was like 5.99 a month for a club penguin subscription like you're not getting any of that back right you know what i mean versus in roblox today and again the average age on roblox is 9 to 9 to 12 so like when i was that age i was playing webkins and club penguin kids today are playing roblox and you can sort of build you can, you can like build actual like monetization strategies by playing and like part of it, like the my example that I mentioned in my art article or one that I really like is is the Zara Larson face, right? Like mm-hmm. there are 17,000 of them. There's a limited supply and the price has gone up like 50X over the past few months because like people really love the face. If you are just like someone who's really crafty and like trying to build a side hustle or like you just have really good taste, like you could have been like, Zara Larson, like she's going to be big on this platform, like I'm going to buy this space for $1 right. and in a few months I'm going to sell it for $50 like that is not money down the drain, it is actual like money that you can get back, um, or you could just continue to pour into the ecosystem, but it appreciates over time because there's a real sort of economy of a sense, um, and also you're seeing younger kids like flip NFTs, I know you had a, a mm-hmm. guest on just last week, um, that made like I think you said like 400k or something, yeah. um, that's like that's crazy. Like there, those opportunities were not really around for me when I was a kid. It was like, go make the lemonade stand outside or like, <laughs> right, you know, like right. we're living in a very different world where Gen Z is incredibly digitally native and we're primed to take advantage of, I think, a lot of these like really big changes that are happening around us. Um, it's It's not foreign. It's just like, and we're also learning at the same pace that everyone else is. Like, no one knows what's going on. You right. Know what I mean, exactly. like, like every, everyone has like the same level of playing field. When you think about transitioning from a web two brain into a web three brain, like why wouldn't Gen Z be the ones to sort of pick that up and lead the charge?
2: Yeah. So Adam and I started this podcast because we really wanted this whole new space to be accessible to a lot of people in our community who are like NFT, what, like, what are you talking about? So for people i guess who are still not familiar with what nfts are how would you explain it yeah
0: i
1: i remember there was an article i read a long time ago that i thought was really good it's like nft means non-fungible token and the thing that people always get hung up on is the fungible piece Uh so like if i were if i have a bitcoin and you have a bitcoin we were to exchange them we each have bitcoin There's, there's there's like no difference between what we're trading, like they're inherently fungible. If I have an Hermes bag that's pink mm-hmm. and you have an Hermes bag that's green, and I said, let's trade, they're the same. That's not true. Like it is like it it has like its own unique properties that make it unique in some way, shape, or form. So you can't just trade a one for one and think, oh, like these are the same. Or like say I was training you an Hermes bag for a Gucci bag. Like those are inherently different things. Same thing if you were to be trading like virtual art, mm-hmm, um, right. NFTs on the blockchain, like one piece of art is not the same as another piece of art. They are not completely fungible. So like, that's like the best, best way that I think is easiest to describe it. Um, but it's again, and this is part of the problem with I think Web3, so many of the terms are just yeah. very complicated and yeah. complex. Yeah. Um, but you know, We're still in the very early innings here, for sure.
0: What are some trends in NFTs that as the market gets more crowded, you personally are keeping an eye on?
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: I I like the idea of sort of verticalized marketplaces. Uh, I think there's um, OpenSea has like a whatever it is, 90% plus market share right now um but there is really interesting sort of like platforms that are popping up here here and there that are tackling it in different ways or layering on NFTs into different markets like like sports cards or
2: collectibles right um so i think that's a pretty interesting space um i like but- how you talked about fashion in your article yeah can you can you kind of give some examples i thought that was really cool
1: yeah well i think like the the adidas example like how adidas mm-hmm. or Honestly, actually, what's probably better is contrasting Adidas versus Dolce & Gabbana and their approaches into joining the metaverse, right? They both did something similar in a sense, launching an NFT collection to announce their approach into the metaverse, whatever that may be. But Adidas launched 30,000 NFTs and sold 24 million in an afternoon uh and you know it meant different things it was like okay you'll get virtual merch, physical merch, mm-hmm. access to events in the metaverse as we as we build it over time whatever it may be Dolce Gabbana launched nine unique nfts or something along those lines where it was just like it was very small and curated and each of those pieces sold for much 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 larger higher sums like in the millions right and so both successful in their own right but very different target audiences and also mm-hmm use cases of like why they make sense. Like Dolce & Gabbana launching nine NFTs that like tie to some type of fashion show and event. It's very exclusive. Like that makes sense to me. Adidas doing a much larger NFT drop to like appeal to like the massive Adidas fans that are also in the metaverse. Like uh, Adidas partnered with Bored Ape Club and I think CryptoPunks and a few other projects um, To or maybe it wasn't crypto bugs, don't don't quote in that, but um, (laughs) they parted with a few few crypto projects to make it like really crypto native, um, that feels on brand for Adidas, it does. Um, So uh, I think that's a good example because it just shows that there's no one way to do NFTs right. What matters is doing what's authentic to your brand um, because that's how you get people bought in.
0: Yeah, I love that how do we make sure that NFTs like are accessible to everyone and especially young people like me or like Gen Z?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it all comes back to the initial, the initial drop that you do and accessibility. Um, because at the end of the day, even when you do partner with like big NFT projects, right? Like it's always the same people that you mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm. And this, helps, this helps with making drops successful, but you're kind of, continuously kind of perpetuating the system in a way. Um, I think just like making sure that you're like being very thoughtful about how you're, you know, how you're marketing the NFT drop, how you're saving slots for people that, you know, maybe aren't in these di- different types of communities, but have contributed in some way, shape, or form to the brand. Um, and, you know, there's there's no one right way, one right way to do it. Um, but I do think it's honestly just being very, very intentional about the messaging and how you go about launch because, um, you know, without like with everything, like your launch sets the tone for the entire trajectory of what you're doing.
2: I mean, a somewhat related question. I, I care about this deeply because I, I come from the A.I. space where, um, you know, there's not equal representation, especially around gender diversity. So how do you make sure that the crypto world in general is accessible to more women? I mean, if you look at the percent of women who are crypto investors, it's like six percent or it's like really sad. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So any thoughts um, on that? Yeah. Well, I think like, like, I think you had messaged me actually about my BFF when, mm-hmm. when they had mm-hmm. launched. Um, and I, I know Jamie there. Um, but I think like projects like that are really interesting. And I mentioned this in my article, but like, I think you have to tie some type of cultural significance to what you're doing. Um, and what, what they're doing, like their whole thing is like bringing more women into web three in a way that's very accessible. And they have like big name celebrities that make that like pitch much better more tangible for people where it's like, oh, like I love Reese Witherspoon. I see her tweeting about the metaverse and like buying NFTs. And now she's in this new project. Like I'm going to go to their event next week. Like, I think not necessarily that influencer marketing or influencers have to play like a huge role here, but I think like organizations like my BFF are playing, like, they play a very important role because, um, they're, essentially they're they're like mission-driven, like interest-based communities. And it's very easy, I think, to build a following around something that feels niche, but actually isn't. Uh, and so it's just like, you know, it's like, I, I'm a woman inventor, I'm a woman in crypto, um, and I love the idea of being able to, A, be more intimately involved and learn myself, but also help other women along the way. Like, that's just a very easy mission to get behind and
2: accomplishes what I think we're all trying to do. What do you think it's gonna to take to get NFTs uh to scale? Like when do you think your parents will 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 kind of, yeah, will pay attention? I know my parents aren't. I mean friends. my my this
1: is like my my dad doesn't even do like online banking. So uh-huh. Okay, I, I it's gonna be a long time for my parents in particular. But again, like I think Ariana Grande doing concerts in the metaverse. Right. Uh, Travis Scott doing concerts in the metaverse Lil Nas X like all of these are bringing in like inherent fan bases so I think like I think I think music is going to play a big role here actually I think music and brands as well but music in particular there's just such a strong fandom where Mm -hmm. it's like you go wherever your people are and I think once these platforms kind of like open up the capability to be able to have more intimate fan experiences but not just like the giant mainstream artists but like what if Bruce Springsteen did a concert in the metaverse? You don't even have to call it a metaverse concert, right? right. But Like you it somewhere online, like Bruce Springsteen's fan base would well, probably I, be like, God, I love Bruce Springsteen. I'll do anything to see him in concert. Like I'll go to an, I'll, I'll go to a virtual or concert, but like if it's in the metaverse, like great. Like then you have like more users, whatever. So I do think that will be key, like getting the right people onboarded into um these types of experiences but you know again uh like the, the the thing that I always focus on is like how do you get the next billion people onto this this universe and ecosystem mm-hmm. um the people that are not web3 native um it's going to take a long time because there's still a lot of friction happening and around web3 world and um you know we have a long way to go but it's a, a very exciting space for sure
2: and you have a younger sister correct is she younger I- I- Ooh, two younger sisters. Oh, I have two younger sisters, too. Um, are they? Are they kind of in in the metaverse? Not yet.
1: Yeah, we are we could not be more different in terms of our interests and like worldview. My middle sister is in medical school right now, so she doesn't even have time to talk to me..
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> and my youngest sister, she wants to be like a park ranger, so she spends like all her time in the woods and amazing. um that would that would kill me. Uh, quite literally so I like for sure I am like whenever we have like family dinners and it's like who's (laughs) if we had to cast a vote like who's most likely to die first on a desert island is always me without fail Um, so we're we're (laughs) we're very very different they're not into like not into metaverse stuff at all no one in my family really is but um Again, like there will come a time where like something within their, their sort of like sphere and circle makes the most sense. Maybe it's even me doing a metaverse event where they're like, all right, we'll just
2: come to the metaverse and (laughs) see if it's Megan. Yeah, (laughs) we'll see.
0: see. That's great. What advice do you have for people who just want to dive right into the metaverse and NFTs?
1: I mean, you just have to try it out. Like I did, uh, after I wrote this article, I intentionally did like a five hour live stream where I trialed like seven of the platforms that I spoke about in my article. The best way to understand the metaverse is to experience it wholeheartedly because there's a lot of little intricacies that you don't really think about until you're experiencing it, where it's like, all right, I've been doing this for 45 minutes now. Like, what do I do? Like what, like what's keeping me here? Like those are the questions you ask as an investor. Um, but you learn by experiencing. Uh, and I think the same is true. And again, there's no barriers to try a lot of metaverses. The play to earn gaming ones are obviously a little bit harder um, because mm-hmm. there's like a higher buy-in, but like you can just drop into Decentraland and check it out. You can play Club Penguin and be like, well, why is this different from like a new mm-hmm. age metaverse? Like you can see it firsthand and experience like, huh, like me winning a, a race in Zedron on my live stream like I was wildly excited. And I was like, you know, it's a very different, you know, like when you experience it firsthand, you get it. You're like, okay, like this is my magic moment. This is like, this is why people are are so excited. It makes you want to like come back and and be back in that ecosystem. So I think my advice is just like get started and also figure out like what, if you want to like build thought leadership, if you want to make friends in the metaverse, like figure out like what are, like, what is your purpose and like why you're doing it and how how does it help you move forward in XYZ, in XYZ shape or form? Like for me, um, I've it's been so helpful just to like learn about the metaverse through like writing and experiencing things, but you don't see a lot of investors writing or like doing live streams of like what they're doing in the metaverse. Like no one's actually spending time there. Um, so for me, that's a differentiator. It's like I've spent time in Decentraland. I've spent time in Roblox. Like whenever Paris Hilton is in Roblox, you better believe I'm gonna be in Paris World too, and I'm gonna be trying to find her in my freaking Roblox avatar that I spent a hundred dollars on. Um, but like that is like anyone can do that. My younger sisters can do that. You can do that. My parents can do that if they wanted to, but they would never do that. Um, but so I think like like anything in life, like just you have to get started, and
2: um, you know the worst you can do is try.
0: Wow. Um, yeah.
2: I guess to wrap up, what are you most excited about for the future?
1: Um, oh gosh, I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm very optimistic. I, I'm excited to see more young people mm-hmm. in ways in the space. Honestly, like it is always just so impressive to me. I mean, even what you're, even what you're doing with the podcast, like I think back to myself in seventh grade and I was just concerned about making the varsity soccer team and the, like my my grades in math, like every like, just like silly things, right? Like this is like, like you're building like real, like it just, it's so impressive. Like, I just love seeing what young people are doing. I think Gen Z, especially like, even as we're like, our generation is like getting older. Um, I'm just like, always just like more impressed by people that are younger than me. So um, I just think like, I think we're gonna, I think we're all gonna kick ass. Uh, I don't know if this is a PG podcast, but uh, sorry about that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I, I agree. And I'll tag along for the ride. It's pretty awesome. Love it. Thank, you, thank you for joining yeah. us. That was pretty awesome. Thank you. Of
1: course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And mm-hmm. uh, congrats on um, three episodes. Yeah. Um, it was it was great to meet you both. Thank you for reaching out and including me. Um. And I look forward to seeing you when it goes live.
0: Thank you for listening to the Yella NFT podcast. If you enjoyed, subscribe to us on all platforms and share with at least one friend. See you next time.